Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling like a people watcher. Oh, okay. And I have come into London from Margate and I'm just obsessed with watching people. And it got me thinking about today's guest Mm. because I think at the core of what our guest does um, within her incredible work, which has been a few decades now, of kind of thorough investigation into the human psyche and also into architecture and kind of monuments and, you know, society in a way, but Mm -hmm. through the objects that we um, live with, whether that be kind of very personal domestic ones or whether it be more kind of like sculptures that you might see in the public realm as well. Um, But at the core of it for me is this kind of investigation into the human psyche and into what it means to kind of be human and the interactions that we have both with other humans, but also with the objects that we choose to live with. Mm. And I was thinking a lot about like the furniture we choose and particularly you, because you're obsessed with like, you know, the way you design your house and all that stuff. But like, even like I've got like a vintage 1960s kind of uh, lounge table, which was designed by an unknown Belgian artist and I bought it for like 200 quid but I know the whole story behind that table and I'd never even realised that until I was researching this episode like I actually have all these very strong connections and funnily enough my kitchen table is this the one we're actually sat at right now it's, I have, habitat. it's, a, it's an old habitat, <laughs> habitat table right? yeah. yeah and i bought one off ebay which i'm obsessed with and it is the most useful like i love i love this table i love your kitchen table thank you and it seems like hopefully our guest does too <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we are very excited to talk to today's guest because we've been following her work since we began getting into art mm. and i was always a bit shy to ask her to come on the podcast because i wasn't really i don't know i just sort of a bit in awe in a way and even though we've collaborated a bit with counter editions i was never directly working with you really so it was kind of i'm so happy it happened <laughs> so we would like to welcome to talk art dame, dame rachel, rachel white reed we had to say dame he said you're gonna <laughs> hate that <laughs> well i didn't what, know if you made me laugh yeah made I, you laugh. I always forget um hi hi, hi. nice you to so see much. you nice to see real humans i know we're we've so lucky. Been, we've all been COVID tested, so we're all very we safe. We have. We're all we're very, very safe. We're each other, aren't we? We yeah. are. <laughs> yes, well, after, after the interview, we're going <laughs> to... We won't say that. So how, how have you been during all this time, Rachel? Um, it's been a weird old year, hasn't it? Um, mm. Well, the first lockdown back last March, um, we as a family, I've got two boys um, aged 15 and... 20 and um we all went up to wales we've got a place up in wales that we've had for 
decades. And we just went up there thinking it would be for two or three weeks. Yeah. And we were there for three months. And it was amazing, actually. Um, uh, you know, strange to be in your tiny little sort of family unit. Mm. Um, but we're kind of the place we've got is in the middle of nowhere in the Brecon Beacons. And, um, you know, we've, we were very safe. We felt safe, you know, for, for the local people. You know, it was, the whole thing was just wonderful, actually. We had a sort of spring there wow. and seeing trees come through the whole sort of season and, you know, just being in nature. And we had our cats with us as well. So, uh, it, so it, was, it was kind of beautiful. And we had, uh, I did a lot of drawing there. Took, you did, took right. materials with me and did a lot of drawing. And, um, you know, did a lot of cooking and just tried to do a bit of homeschooling. Mm. And, um, oh, for was, the 15-year-old, yeah. Yeah, for 15-year-old. So it's so, GCSE time now. Yeah, right? which oh, is oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, my nephew's the same. Um, but, we, no, we actually had a, a good time, played a lot of canasta. Um, What's that? Know. What's canasta? It's like a, a poor man's bridge, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it reminds me of my grandma in Wales. Yeah. Is it a Welsh thing then? No, no, it's not. No, no I don't oh no, because so. you were there as well. Yeah, it sounds yeah. sort of Spanish or something, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, Castanets or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so that that was all very sort of good. I mean, obviously very worrying for what was happening in the world and everything. Mm. But we, you know, we had a, a sort of good and optimistic time. Then we came back, and I started sort of working back in the studio. And, um, you know, then it happened again and then it happened again, yeah. you know, and just trying to deal with a 15-year-old who's sort of anxious and, you know, worried about his GCSEs yeah. and then, you know, and he really didn't suit homeschooling, can't, couldn't deal with Zoom. So it's been very challenging for him. And the, the younger son, uh, the older son, it just, you know, Connor's been very sort of mindful about it, um, but it's been very, very hard for him and... Um, you know, just in terms of friends, his girlfriend's father passed away from COVID. Oh, no. Um, you know, so there's been a lot of things like that which have been very, very difficult and, um, you know, and challenging for a, a kid that lives in London that wants to be out and about with his mates and we're just right. sort of saying no all the time. Yeah. You can't, you yeah. know. Are they, are they arty? Because your upbringing was incredibly... Artistic. Yeah, my, my upbringing is very artistic. Theirs has been very artistic. Yeah. Um, they're not particularly... I mean, they both uh, sort of love to hate art, I think, just because it's just been around they're them all the time. They're bored of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like, oh, you know, mummy's doing a drawing. Yeah, Fine. exactly. They're not, you know, they're not. But Connor's always saying that he'd like to sort of uh, get involved. And, you know, he has worked in the studio a bit. And, um, you know, you never know. He might become part of the family firm at some point. Yeah, you know, yeah. don't know, really. So the drawings you were doing at the start of lockdown and the work that you've been doing during lockdown, did it? Do you feel like it's different from your usual practice in any way because of what was going on globally? Do um, you feel that affected? They, well, they were all draw. It's something a sort of motif that I've used for a long time, which is nets, and mm. and I was sort of drawing just sort of more or less the same drawing over and over and over again in mm. different colours and different layers, um, using sort of collage with it, and you know just. Um, D d doing a sort of mindful activity, really, actually, you know, not not trying to turn them into something else, not really thinking about anything, just mm. just doing a, a process. Not automatic, like. Yeah, it's sort of you know I often do drawings as, as kind of doodles to sort of free up my mind, but this was almost like just keeping myself engaged in some way. You know, it wasn't taxing. It wasn't. You know what I mean? It just yeah. it felt like it was just 
keeping something lived keeping the up. muscle going yeah keeping the muscle memory yeah, yeah, going yeah, yeah. I mean, why are you talking about drawings i got this book at home which i have about oh, yeah. which oh, is yes. I love yeah. but i opened it up and do you know what it says in the front oh my god i gave you it 28th of May 2010 for <laughs> Russell Total Art Ledge hope you enjoy this book Love Always Rob Kiss oh, isn't sweet. that and that's like oh, and we're here today that's, that's how long like, we've yeah. loved oh you God. isn't that strange yeah but I was funnily enough when you brought that book out I was yeah. just about to say to you about this show because this was to kind of at the same time as the Tate uh, Britain retrospective that you had sorry not Tate Britain Tate yeah Tate Britain yeah no the that drawing was show. yeah the drawing show was first first yeah that was about Five, seven years before the retrospective. Yes, so the drawing show. Sorry, I yeah. meant like retrospective of the drawings, but the, yeah. the drawing show was really striking at the time because I'd never seen any of the drawings. Yeah, same. And maybe I'd seen one actually at Lorcan O'Neill's, but mm. I think in his office once. But but I never thought of you as someone that sort of made, I don't know, drawings or paintings or things like that. But it turns out you did start off making paintings. Yeah, I started off as a painter at Brighton, yeah. And I got sort of fed up with the edges of canvases and just sort of started things started going on the wall and on the floor. And then... What, you didn't like being contained by the edges? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But then now I do very contained drawings. I always have done, you know, they're... they're um, you know, but I suppose there is something quite painterly about them and I use a lot of colour. Yeah. Um, you know, I've actually, in the show that I've got coming up in April, there's um, some bronzes which have been hand-painted after... Um, you know, they've come from the foundry. So, mm. you know, there's always an element of that in the work. Um, you know, and even just things like the sort of early plaster sculptures, I always saw the surfaces of them like frescoes okay. and would try, and you know, if there were kind of bogies and bits of chewing gum underneath tables, I'd try and get them to be... Highlighted. Highlight, uh -huh. You know, well, not not high because high, they have their own natural colour. Bogies do, <laughs> but they'd get sort of embossed onto the surface of the work so you know that was always something that I was quite um, clear about and by using different types of release agent you could get slightly different colours and you know it's yeah I was always really fascinated by the correction fluid as well, like Tipex and things yes. like that, that then give you that. Cause, because you, you, your drawings are often on graph paper or what's the other type of paper? Um, lined paper. Yeah, like lined. Rule paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, calligraphy. No, not calligraphy paper. I've forgotten what it's called. Anyway, watercolour paper. Yeah, maybe watercolour paper. But um, I, I was always interested in the way that the things like Tipex and, and the different materials you would use would kind of fight against the, the grid. Yeah, I mean, that's always been, I think, something that I've done. You know, sometimes I use the grid kind of meticulously and other times, I, as you say, sort of fight against it. And and by using, I mean, the reason I always used Tipex was that I liked the sort of sculptural quality of it because it was quite like plaster mm -hmm. and it was almost like casting a drawing and you could layer it up and, it, you know, you could get different surfaces happening. So, yeah, all of it, you know, and also I used a lot of... Um, varnish and different sort of um, thickening agents that you could sort of build up surface and stuff. So, you know, it's always something that I've been interested in. And drawing is like with. fundamental to your practice. That's Completely, you yeah. Yeah, I've always um, done lots and lots of drawing. It's funny, actually, because recently, well, a couple of years ago, I moved to this studio. I've got another studio around the corner. And that is sort of a drawing studio. You know, I've always had... Well, Years and years ago, I went. I got a, a scholarship to go and study in Berlin, and um, well, not study, but uh, I was actually a proper artist by then. It was a 
um, fellow, you know, fellowship thing. Yeah. And I, um, I had, we had a really big house, you know, we'd, I'd come from a sort of one bedroom council flat in Hoxton and, you know, we suddenly had this house with two bathrooms and, you know, two living rooms and a dining room and it was like, wow, what are we going to do with all this space? And I used one of these, you know, gorgeous rooms as a drawing studio. And so I, since then I realised how much I loved that thing of having these two sort of separate places to work so I tend to draw in one place and make sculpture in another place that seems to be how I sort of do the two sort of parallel practices yeah there's a thing that really strikes me about the drawings in particular as well that they always seem quite calm to me and quite kind of like meditative or something but I was never sure if they are for you or whether they're more like because I guess in a way you're working things out by through the drawings and the collages and even the works where you get hold postcards punch. and you hold punch. Yeah. Like, they all feel quite meditative somehow. Like Yeah, I mean, I can process. show you actually here that I've got some drawings on the wall that are um, not, not in here. In, okay. in that <laughs> um, that are, you know, some of them are very calm and quiet and others are really sort of rapid, you know. So, it, yeah, I think it is, um, it's probably partly to do with state of mind. But, I, you know, I do generally use it as a thoughtful process you know quite thoughtful time to try and sort of figure out what I'm making mm. well you just mentioned about coming from humbler beginnings there and I feel like your practice really celebrates where you were brought up and how you were raised and and the life you had and you were born in Ilford yeah and my mum was born in Ilford and she lived on Sorrel Road and so that when I <laughs> Roy Gardens I came I was born in Roy Gardens yeah <laughs> her primary school was Christchurch infant and junior school do you oh, remember that no I don't know that one I, I was very little when we left there right we, we moved to Essex it's a further out into Essex into a place called Doddinghurst yeah yeah cool yeah, yeah. well I went to Shenfield High School so it's okay. around yeah around yeah 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 yeah, yeah, was yeah, there. But yeah. That, I feel like that kind of I really love that side of it because that plays into your practice so much is that you really celebrate and try and um this has a nostalgia feel for you your work it really feels like it harks back to simpler times yeah there. maybe yeah I mean I think you know we grew we grew up at a time you know when I was born in 63 so you know in the 70s and my parents were you know left wing and mm -hmm. you know it's quite sort of forward thinking and they moved us out to Essex because they wanted us to have a field to play in and just to be kids, you know, yeah. in, a, in a place that was, you know. And it was, I think for them, you know, my, my mum's an artist and I think for them it was very exciting to do that but it also became really mundane and they felt that the people that were living around there and stuff, you know, a lot of them were Ford workers and, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, living in this sort of outskirts, you know, because that's where these sort of new towns and places were built yeah. for, for for workers from the factories around there. And, um, you know, I think it became quite stifling for my mum, actually, and then they decided to move up to Muswell Hill, which is where I then, you know, had my and sort more of... more arty, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and it was more my formative years, so I was there from the age of seven to, you know, when I left home at 18. When did you lay the concrete flooring that feels like it inspired your... Oh, <laughs> that, was in, that was it. That was it. Fifty-one Woodland Rise, and I was probably about twelve. 
actually. And it's probably still there, so that's probably a valuable yeah. piece of work. <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> if it's there. I may have been a bit younger, actually. I was, I was selling my son the other day. He's 20 and is working on a building site. And he said, I know how to mix concrete now. And I said, sorry, Connor, but I knew when I was like 11. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but what were you doing? Your dad was laying a floor and you were yeah. helping him. Yeah, exactly. It was a floor for a, a studio for my mum. So we had a sort of Victorian house and there was a basement and they put a damp course in it and laid a floor and became a studio you know it's sort of and was that one of the first times you think looking back that it triggered something in you it was like a yeah maybe I mean I've always been interested in in cubby holes and you know those secret places in houses and cupboards you know, under stairs cupboards under stairs why do you think that is I don't know just the kind of secret did you make dens as a kid yeah we made dens yeah that. exactly tree houses yeah. and yeah and I think you know growing up in the countryside at that yeah. time you know you could do all that stuff couldn't you and it was very, um, yeah, no, I mean, it was good. And when we lived in Muswell, I went to a school, which is now a great school, which is called Fortismere. But when I was there, it was Crichton Comprehensive, which was the first um, comprehensive school. And it was the, the headmistress was Molly Hattersley. And, you know, the intentions were great, and it was a, a, a an experiment. Mm. But we were, you know, it was a hard time for the kids that were there to be honest you know it was very difficult the school I didn't really know what it was doing and mm. you know I know some incredibly successful people that went there but you know we all did really badly in our academics so yeah we we all bunked off and messed about <laughs> but what about art did you take that seriously I did eventually when I got into sixth form I did the I did my O level and A level in you know sixth form and you, knew, and you knew then? Like, then I knew. Then after my first year of sixth form, I thought, actually, why was I mucking about and pretending I wanted to do something else, yeah. you know? But you knew you wanted to be an artist at that stage. You were then like, I did, well, then I knew I wanted to go to art school, so I then went straight on to foundation and then mm. did a degree in M&MA and MA and, yeah. So when you were doing, sort of when you were in the sixth form kind of stage, were you looking to other artists? Because if you were painting back then, were there people that sort of inspired you or that maybe pushed you forward? Um... No, not especially. You know, I was learning, you know, I was mm. learning. I was just doing stuff. I, I remember just being, you know, it would be like, oh, one day you do, you know, modelling, the next day you do some painting, the next day you do some sort of cut-out stuff, the next day you do some, you know, something. You know, so it was really, for me, it was just about trying everything out and feeling my way around the sort of language of stuff and materials and colour and, you know, objects and all of that stuff, yeah. So it was, it was very... Um, you know, it was like a crash course, you know, and uh, I had a, there was a really great um, art teacher there called Leslie Burgess, who, who then was for years teaching um, teachers to be art school teachers, oh, you right. know, so, um, so yeah, so, she, yeah, so she was very inspiring and, and my mum, obviously, and dad were very supportive, so. Yeah, no, it was just sort of I fell in love, really, and yeah, yeah. just carried on with it. So it's quite a personal kind of self-contained journey, in a sense. Like, Yeah, I mean, none of my friends were doing it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, it was just... And I, I literally just went off on a kind of trajectory and just got on with it. You know? It's interesting hearing that idea of, like, you getting joy out of learning all these different skills, because I heard in the kind of mid-2000s interviews you did then, like 2003, 4, um, about the fact that you'd got this kind of breadth of knowledge and that you'd been learning through resin, through, you know, yeah. plaster, through yeah. all these different materials. And then it kind of freed you up because it's almost like a language that you began yeah. to learn. 
there was a quote you said about a thought process illustrated by sculpture is kind of like your 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 work in a, in a sense it's like this yes ongoing. yeah 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 i mean i think it's you know it's about putting a language together and then coming up with a sentence you know it's it, it you know but i but you know my mother i i always as a child i was always interested in her studio and i was always going in and out of her studio and you know sharpening pencils i used to love sharpening her pencils with a, with a stanley yeah. knife you know it was really like satisfying i still like sharpening pencils but you know so i did things like that and would help her do little things and you know so i was and you know and i could come back from school and go down and see her and you know fiddle around in her studio and so you know i don't know who i was trying to kid pretending i didn't want to do it for so long but you know i was you know mucking about smoking dope and not wanting to get involved with anything really as yeah, a yeah. teenage rebel. Yeah, know. yeah, of course. <laughs> when, when did you start? Because people come into your work who would know your work is that the casting of, yeah. of the underside of objects or the overlooked, the periphery, the unloved, the uncared for. Yeah. You uh, elevate and give presence and imbue with some sort of um, energy that's. Yeah. When, when did you start finding materials and what was the first material you came to in the casting? I mean, I think, you know, the first, I always sort of tell this story, is the first thing that I cast was when I was at, um, on my degree. I just did, I was doing this little sort of foundry course with the artist Richard Wilson. Yeah, wow. And he'd come down and, um, and I just pressed a spoon into some sand and then poured metal into it. And, you know, realised that by doing that, you got rid of the spoonness of the spoon and you had this thing that was different mm -hmm. and so it was a very simple process of just you know almost like a sort of psychological twist to something and I think that was that was what first got me sort of thinking about that as a process mm. and you know but I didn't have the know-all to really understand that until later on because then I did you know a master's and you know then I had a studio for a year before I really made a proper sculpture I'd yeah. say when did you know that it was the path you was going to go and it was a successful thing when you were like, I've cast this, this works, wow, okay, I'm onto something here? It was when I made Closet, for sure. Really? So, so that was in 1988. Yeah. And how, how did that come about? Um, I bought wardrobe and yeah. I took it to the studio and I filled it up with plaster and closed the doors and then waited for it to cure Took all, so took, did you lay it on its back? Yeah, lay it so, on okay, its back, yeah. yeah. Then, uh, you know, put polystyrene inside it, made, you know. And what then does polystyrene do? It just makes it lighter because you could have a core of another material inside it. Oh, so. okay. Um, and then I sort of opened it up and stood it up and just thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, everything that goes out goes in, you know, and goes in, goes out. And, oh, and that actually this makes me think about when I used to sit inside a wardrobe and, you know, I'll maybe cover that. What's the darkest material I can think of that will absorb light or black felt, covered it in black felt. And then I had this sculpture and I was like, oh, you know, I've made something. And you can walk around it. So yeah. it was a sculpture. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it also kind of solved the problem with plinths, which yeah, is always well, exactly. like such a frustrating yeah, thing. Exactly. Sculpting, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I love that about your work. And if you think of the 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 bed that you made out of kind of um, the black uh, resin rubber, like, or no, I think it's rubber. more of the wasn't it like a rubbery material that was quite bouncy. There's a black one and there's an or the orange one ones, that leans yeah, against yeah, the wall. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love the way the wall almost becomes the support yeah, somehow. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I never used salt plates. I've had to use them occasionally since, but, yeah, I, I used to really hate plinths. I love the word, but I don't like the things. <laughs> it's quite frustrating, I think, for sculptors. It feels like it's sort of like something that's Because you have to consider that. It's yeah, and, well, and then also barriers, which I find more annoying. I'm a plinth, in a way, I, you know, if you get away with a sort of low thing that stops people from... But actually to have a sort of physical barrier that, that sort of delineates a space with a line, I find much more irritating. Yeah. Like in museums or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I always try and just go for a sort of tape mark on the floor, and some museums let you do that. Some don't, you know. It's so the furniture that you 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 bought and you brought for that first work was that from a junk shop? Because I heard that junk shops were quite important. You like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was always looking for stuff with a kind of history of some sort. Um, yeah. But it was also about, I think, at the time, thinking about my parents and my grandparents and the kind of furniture that they used and the sort of post-war sort of utility yeah. furniture so very cheaply made stuff um often with veneers it's humble, humble yeah, yeah humble and you know it was the stuff that my nan always had in her yeah. house and you know we inherited some of it when i went to college i you know it's what you'd buy because it was cheap and then you'd have that in your flat and mm -hmm. you know it was um ikea of its day i guess yeah but you know i preferred the just going around junk shops i actually saw this great um Thing the other day in Camden and someone had thrown out a sort of metal-legged formica table. Do you know the ones yeah. with those sort of drawings of tables on top of them? And, and it was on the street. And I saw this little old lady who must have been 80. And she saw it and she went, oh. And she, she said to me as I walked by, she said, that's nice, isn't it? And I thought she's not going to drag it down the road. And she did. <laughs> and I saw <laughs> You, you didn't you help just, us. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done. I should have done. No, I was going to a meeting. But, um, yeah, she and she dragged it off down the road. And I couldn't work out if it's because it reminded her of yeah. something she had oh, when she was young. Yeah. It was just it was just kind of a really sweet moment, actually. But you must walk around the world seeing furniture, seeing objects, but not seeing it as we would see them like that's a table. You would go, well, the underneath of that's quite interesting because yeah. the angle of them yeah. legs. Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Does that ever get frustrating? Or does it, or is that like... I mean, I, d I don't do that so much now. So, And you'll see with the new work that I've made, it's, it's very different. But, you know, I it has been a burden in the past. Has it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there would be times where I'd have, you know, 10 pieces of, you know furniture in the studio and I'd be staring at the underside of them all thinking oh how am I going to do that or what am I going to do with that and you know it it you know they never all got made into sculptures but yeah. it was sort of um you know you can be sport for choice in a way yeah. so it's about honing down what you've or what I find the most refining what refi that is. you know poetic or whatever it is I'm sort of looking for did this wardrobe get like destroyed after oh yeah the they, get totally so they do get destroyed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you said polystyrene because you fill it with polystyrene. I'm trying to get my head around that. So, well, so, you, so imagine, you, imagine a matchbox. It's yeah. easier. So you open up a matchbox. Yeah. There's that space in there and uh, you fill it up and you take the matchbox away and you've got this quite heavy lump. of. Yeah. So what you do is you pour in a layer of the plaster, then you put in a piece of polystyrene and then you pour around that and then close it and then you, you know... Because so, so. they have a sort of Trump loyal... Is that yeah. what you say? Trump loyal? Trump loyal, yeah. They have a Trump loyal effect because they look like these huge, like, weigh tons. I'm sure some of them do. Yeah. But but they, a lot of them are filled with 
Well, yeah, yeah or, or something. I mean, you know, a lot of that was to do with, you know, and you think when I was making those things, I was skint as well. Yeah, and right. polystyrene was cheaper. You could find bits of polystyrene in skips and cut them up and make, you know, stuff for the inside of a yeah. mould. And it was a lot cheaper than buying an extra four bags of plaster, you know. Yeah. That was four shifts in a... Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about the, so that, that got the cover got destroyed. So the, another work which is like the most iconic, which is was lost after a year, is the house. Mm. And before that was Ghost. Ghost yeah. was before that, right? But the house got destroyed. But then you've made castings in your studio before of staircases. How do you do them without the studio getting? Just, uh, well, uh, there were three staircases that were made in my old studio, which was in Shoreditch, um, we, there were three different staircases, and before I moved in, decided to cast them all. It was just a very difficult process of making a sort of imploding staircase. So you'd cast it, and then you'd have to... Pull sections out. Pull it, pull it all out. Would it, was it a massive clean-up job and everything? Or? Uh, yeah, but we were sort of... Re, we were doing up the building anyway, oh, okay, so, yeah. Right. But, um, but so, so that was one way of doing it. Another way, and it's something that I do now more, is I invent things so I can make moulds myself, you know. So I've got, you know, there's a, a piece in um, um, New York on a place called Governor's Island, which yeah. is a, yes. a, a little concrete shack, and that was completely invented, you know, and it was cast, and so I made the shack, and then we cast it, and then we took it over to New York. So I'm because I've got this, as I said, you know, you, you make a language. I've now feel that I have this language that I can work with and kind of do anything with, you know, and um, and that was actually very freeing to think, oh yeah, I can actually, you know, make this up. I don't. It doesn't have to be. The actual thing. But it took a while to give yourself oh, permission. Oh, gosh, yeah, ages. Because yeah. you always felt like yeah. you had to yeah. secure the past. Yeah. It had yeah. to be authentic yeah, 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 yeah. on that way. Yeah, like I could never use colour except the colour that was in the material, you know. it was. These are rules you set yeah, yourself. Yeah, you set yourself, which you must do with acting Absolutely. and stuff. You yeah, set yeah. yourself certain yeah, yeah, parameters. Yeah, yeah. And then as, as you get more confident, probably, you can break those Go rules. on, do a different accent yeah. on this one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try a Geordie. Like, I've always felt like rules with art making is a great thing to sort of set a certain sort of set, 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 set a, a, list, a list of rules to sort of open up freedom because the limitations actually can be quite productive like a manifesto for yourself yeah 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 that's a good way of putting it actually yeah yeah i think everybody needs you need sort of need to do something otherwise the the, the choice is so phenomenally big isn't it yeah um, one of the things that really struck me was the time it takes to sort of work on these projects. So, like, with um, the, the ghost work, for yes. example, the preparation that you had to do in the flat in Archway in that room, mm. and then, like, you're talking about the stairs in the um, studio you had at the um, in, in Shoreditch, like, all of this preparation, I had no idea, like, the amount of work that yeah. goes into it. And with House, like, you had foundations that you had to put yeah. in. Yeah, 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 amazing video where yeah. you're building the first layer, then you yeah. put an armature in, and it takes days, and I had no idea. But yeah. can, we, can we talk about House and Ghost? Sure, and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ghost was the first thing that I made, which was a sort of um, project that I, you know, I had no money at all. I got managed to get a couple of small grants to help me... Um, Paid for the materials and and I got this room to cast and I just I spent about six months probably in there laying the the house was all sort of wonky so I had to sort of put this little foundation down to get it sort of square 
And and then you're by yourself doing this, or do you have a team? Um, no, I was by myself. Wow. My husband, who, well, my now husband, um, Marcus, was um, helped me a bit, but generally I worked on my own. And um, and it felt a bit like being a nun, you know, sort of bricking myself into myself <laughs> <laughs> as I was, you know, casting the. So you cast a bit and then cut it and put it back and you know do the next one and. You know, it took a long time and then taking it out and then putting it, taking it over to my studio and then re-erecting it with a... Um, I used a sort of modular... Um, sh- uh, I can't think what it's called, Dexian, to, to sort of hold up the, f- the framework on the inside. And it was really just made to be shown once, you know, and now it's been shown all over the world. What do you mean, why only made to be shown once? Well, because I was a totally unknown artist and I just, I wouldn't have been able to store it. I, I literally thought I was making it, it would go in the skip afterwards. Right. And was this with polystyrene as well, so you was able There was to... no polystyrene in this, no. This was all done with Hessian and, you know, it was like, each piece was like six, you know, ten centimetres thick. Um, this was a house that's being demolished? In... Uh, no, it was a house that was being, it was going to be done up. Right, and right. it was an a artist's housing charity that owned the house and they gave me permission to, to work in it. Yeah, so once I'd done that and then we put it up in the studio and I kind of dawdled into the studio one morning, the sun was shining and I walked in and I just thought, oh my God, I'm the wall you know, and just realised what I'd made because I'd been so involved with making it, I hadn't mm. really thought about what it was. And then once I'd done that, I was just like, wow, okay, this is quite something. So it was a real eureka moment. Yeah. And, um, you know, then it's a year or so later, Art Angel came to see me and um, James Lingwood just said, Rachel, is there anything you'd like to do? And I said, yeah, cast a house. And he said, great, let's do it. And I went, Okay, you know. <laughs> how does that work then? Like, how do you cast a house? Yeah, such... Well, then it was the really problematic process of finding the house, and I was very clear where I wanted it to be. You know, it had to be in that part of London. Mm-hmm. Um, in North London, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was those, East London. It was over by Victoria oh, Park. Yeah. I've got 193 Grove Road. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, it was over by Victoria Park. And, you know, I was very keen to um, to do it around there. We found this house... Um, there was someone living in it, but he, uh, his family had yes, to move he's out. He's in the plaster now. Yeah, yeah, isn't no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sid, Sid Gale, the dear departed Sid Gale, who um, uh, his daughters actually kept in touch with me for a long time after that. But um, yeah, so and we made it, and it was, as we know, was a phenomenal success, and, yeah. and you know, caused an awful lot of intrigue and um, debate, and you know, was I would say. You know the the thing that sort of kicked off um, arts in in a, a very different way. It had a different audience, not not really a different audience, but it made people think about things differently mm. and um, opened up a whole different debate, which I thought was really interesting. One of the things I'm most proud of with it, actually, and uh, yeah. 
and yeah, and I was a, a wreck at the end of it. And so this took twice the amount of time that. Oh goes yeah, this it. took this took probably two and a half years to not no. to not to make it to physically make right. it. It took about four or five months, but the whole process of getting the planning permission, yeah. doing get, you know. And this was on a street of demolished houses, and this was the last it remaining was the house. Only one there. And then you then it was cast, and then the the walls were taken down, and then what you saw was the interior that was cast. Yeah. Now, and this only survived for a year. Less than a year. It was up for, um, oh, I don't know, five months or something. And was that always the, the Well, we knew or? that we could, we had to rent the ground off Tower Hamlets. I mean, there was a, a very funny man who, his name was Councillor Flounders, who, who just got it into his head that he didn't want this thing. It was the chattering classes, the educated clatter, chattering classes that were coming over to the East End to, you know, to plough their wares and apply their wares. And we're just going to, you know, it, we were just an irritation to him. And the more excited people got about it, the more annoyed he got. So he mm. made it his sort of vendetta personal to vendetta bring to bring it down, yeah. And I heard yeah. your only regret was that you didn't get to spend enough time with it or see it enough. Yeah. But you did go in, in disguise sometimes. I did. And, and, and watch people, which yeah. is what I was referring to in the... Yeah, yeah. No, I, intro, yeah. Right. yeah, no, I did. I had to go, because every time I went up there, there were just so many people there and people were wanting to talk to me and... And I just didn't really, I didn't really feel that I had a proper time to spend with it. So, yeah, I'd often drive down and maybe sit in my car and just sort of look at it and watch the people wow. looking at it. And would you ever do it again now, something like that, on that scale? Uh, yes, I would, actually. Yeah, I would. I would. And I would do it sort of differently. I mean, you know, my reaction to this over the, the sort of year, years since is I've made these pieces called shy sculptures mm -hmm. which are uh, there's one in norway in the middle of nowhere there's two in the desert in california there's one on an island in new york mm. there's one in a park in norfolk you know so they're all hidden away and there's another one in yorkshire in a in a in a forest you know so they're they're hidden away places because actually i just was so sick of the 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 ground traffic and the the sort of noise that went with it you know what are these shy sculptures like and i like the fact that you've i feel like you imbue your sculptures with a human personality yeah 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 uh they are um well they're all cast from buildings you know one right. is a big nissan hut you know it's really big uh there's one that looks like the unibobber's hut which is the one in new york there's a, a boat shed, which is on a fjord in Norway. Wow. There are two shotgun shacks, which are in the desert in California. And you, do you do these all yourself still, or do you have a yeah, team? Uh, yeah, uh, the two in, in California, um, this guy who I know who bought these huts specifically because he wanted me to cast them, and I said, look, I'm not coming out to cast them, but we can teach you how to do it. So we taught them how to do it, and they cast them and did a great job actually but do you enjoy that process of it or does it feel like daunt you when you first start these projects uh I, i'm kind of used to it now i mean there was a time when i you know i've been through various various ways in which i've worked and you know i've worked as a kind of producer of my own work which just gets annoying and there's too many people involved and i you know i'm yeah. just not in that it, i just don't enjoy it um, I used to have a whole bunch of assistants working with me. Now it's just me and uh, an admin person. And then I have the, the, the assistant that worked with me since he left college, Phil Brown, who runs something, a, a, a sculpture-making company. He makes lots of things for me still. 
and um, and then I have another guy that comes in, you know, f three or four times a month, and we do a bit of stuff together. But generally, I, I love working on my own. Right, right, right. You know, it's how it's when I can think, it's how I can play and muck about, and yeah. Are you in the studio every day, more or less? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I take weekends off now, but yeah, yeah. Well, I've done for years, actually. I've always thought about the uh, being an artist is quite a solitary thing. And I think when I talk to younger artists who are beginning their careers, they often feel like that's wrong, that somehow they, they, that they should be, I don't know, either working with a gallery and actually talking to the gallery every day or, or having a group of people that they're constantly in contact with. But I actually think some of the greatest artists I've met, I'd say most of them, are actually quite solitary. I think that's true. I think the good artists generally are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the ones that just, you know, they they know what they need and they know how they need to make it. And it's not a question of flapping around sort of, you know, I, I'm sure it's the same with acting where, you know, you're learning your lines, you're doing that on your own, you're do, you, then you go into the studio and you start, you know, that's like the your exhibition process, and then you're, your you know, there's a sort of process to it, isn't there? And mm. I, For me, there's very much a process like that. And I, I could not, ever just sort of say to Johnny, who I've worked with forever, come in, Johnny, we're going to work on something together now. You know, it needs. I need to have a good two months' work in my head for him to come in and then we start working on that process. Right, right. You know, I need to have plans. Because if he's it. hanging around and he's yeah, going, what are we can't. doing today? Yeah, I can't. Dame, Rachel, yeah. and you'll be like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always find yes, that... Yes, I, you know, I, I get called Dame. Not <laughs> just Dame. Just Dame. <laughs> yeah, that's the rule. <laughs> I always find it fascinating, though, the idea that you might need two months because when you did, like, the um, the fourth plinth, for example, that's just a well-known example, but I heard that you spent four years, roughly, kind of actually really thinking about it and working on it and making it sort of... I think four years is a bit of an exaggeration, but no, a long time. But also, for that, that was really technical and the process mm -hmm. and the materials and, you know, it was a, a resin, nightmare. Yeah. Eight attempts, I read, before you got it. it we, we did a lot of... Yeah, R and D. Yeah, a lot of R and D. What's R and D? Research and development. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this idea, though, like that sculpture in itself. So it's a reflection of the plinth, and it like was a in this kind of, of it, yeah, yeah, like mm. a mirrored image, which yeah. we can post on our Instagram if people haven't seen it. But it, it's very simple in, it, in the way it looks, and it's such a genius idea because you, it's such a beautiful kind of you know public sculpture. Mm. It was eleven tons of resin. Mm. Yeah, I know, but that's what I mean. And there's so much planning, and mm. I just find it like fascinating that kind of um persistence and rigor and like dedication mm. you know you have to an idea is it, is it a struggle that uh i think i'm very stubborn and um you know you just i think you know if you think about something and you know it's going to be good because i can picture things in my mind's eye now because i'm you know been doing it so long so you kind of know what it is you're doing and if i think it's worth it yeah i'll go to the ends to do it yeah and the invisibility of sculpture or, or, or public kind of monuments and statues. I've heard you talk about this idea of the invisibility of architecture so that you might be so used to your neighbourhood mm. that you end up just not even looking at mm. things anymore. For example, in the fourth plinth, it was right by Nelson's column and how that can just become invisible. Yeah. It seems so insane, yeah. but it's true. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of invisibility. You take for granted, don't you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like you reassess, you make people look at things in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's... Um, you know, I think, well, I, you know, art is such an enormous subject these days, but, it, you know, I think that's, it. you know, what you were saying about these sort of younger artists sort of thinking 
are they do or wondering are they doing it right you know and actually there's no right way of doing it at all you just have to do what's right for you mm. and i think you know with young artists especially you know there's there's just such a a pressure to be successful to have a gallery to you know for things to happen very quickly and i was incredibly fortunate things did happen quickly for me but they don't for everybody right. and um you know, it's what I love is the way that, you know, people like Rose Wiley and, you know, that have been sort of rediscovered in their 70s and they're absolutely flying now, you know, and it's, you know, and, and people like Phyllida Barlow. Well, she who's, taught you, didn't she? Yeah, Phyllida yeah. is a great friend of mine. And, you know, she, you know, she, for years, you know, she had five kids. She um, worked for years at universities and cut in art schools and taught and was an incredible teacher. And she always doggedly got on with her work in the studio and her practice slowly, quietly, you know, doing things, showing things, but in weird and wonderful places. And now she's incredibly sought after worldwide and that's fantastic, you know. Um, it's a funny old game, you know. It's a funny old game, the art world. But what was that success like? What did that feel like at the beginning? Because you were talking about Ghost and you thought that was only going to go up once and then disappear, but it was acquired by Charles Saatchi at the time, who then put it into the Sensation Show, which is... Yeah, no, it was acquired by Charles. It then went into the show at his uh, gallery. It didn't go in Sensation. Oh, that was 100 Spaces was in Sensation. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. Um, and then he sort of sold it on to someone else, and then I can't remember what happened then, and then eventually um, the... Museum of Art in Washington bought it. Wow. What was it like being part of that sensation show in 97, which was kind of really the, the kind of genesis of the YBAs, the Young British Artists Movement? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of amazing. I, I suppose by then I was sort of taking things, not a bit for granted, but, um, you know, I was one of the one, you know, I was, you know, up in the sort of top rung with Damien and, you know, yeah, maybe a yeah. couple of others. And, you know, I think I, it wasn't that I was arrogant, but I, I suppose I was taking it a little bit for granted by Did then. You? And, um, you know, because I'd already been sort of showing quite a lot, you know, in Europe and America. Like an ego. You've got an ego at that time, looking back. Well, I think I probably... <laughs> yeah, I did. I had an ego, but I also knew that, you know, a lot of people around them were... What they were really excited about was the whole sort of fame aspect of things yeah. and that that's never been something that I've chased around and got excited about if anything the opposite you know I've sort of hidden away and you know most of my sort of good friends are friends from way way back you mm -hmm. know and um you know so I just have a different a different view on it I think really and yeah it was great in lots of ways there was a lot of pressure in other ways what, uh, what sort of pressure well, it was a lot of pressure from media and, you know, you know, this was very early on in that time. You know, it's not like now with Grayson's Art Club and, you know, this and that and everybody's on TV or doing things and you can't turn on University Challenge without there being a question about someone or other. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's very much a part of our popular culture, culture yeah. now. And, and then it, it was early in those days of all of that and it was... Um, yeah, I just suppose it was a bit, it was a bit, um, you know, because I'd had the notoriety around house and I was a bit burnt by that, actually. I was just knackered, you know, and it wasn't so, it wasn't that long after house, I don't think. I can't really remember the... So that was quite a traumatic experience in that 
being like doing it and then it just and then leaves. it just yeah just a big knockdown and yeah it was I was just exhausted by it I probably had a breakdown actually Did during you? it yeah I mean I was really like done in by it yeah um yeah you must have manifested that Governor Flowers what was his name Flounders must Flounders like, yeah Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I've just realized that you, you were like, you'd won the Turner Prize. You're the first woman to oh, win yeah, the Turner Prize. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there was all of that as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so there hadn't been just the Turner Prize the, before... But, you know, there was the Turner Prize and then there was the KLF Award. So there what, what was, happened with that? That was, was that? with the KLF. Yeah. Um, and they had the award for the, being the worst artist. Ah. And um, we, and they were had £40,000 that they were going to burn if I refused to accept it. Um, after, you know, and I just thought, this is just ridiculous. So I agreed to accept it. And, you know, and I still didn't have any money at that point and 40 grand would have been lovely, but I decided to um, uh, accept it and then I gave it all away to shelter and to artists. Amazing. Well, let's talk about, the, what, for people who don't know, the KLF Award, that they came out to kind of contradict... The, the Turner, Turner Prize. Prize, yeah. So the KLF were a band that KLF, were... Uh, yeah. yeah. So they were very... Um, well, so what were what was their music kind of? Uh, what would you, it, was, was it, it wasn't it was house, was it? It was before that. No, it was kind of dance orientated, but yeah. maybe quite rocky at the same time. It was yeah. kind of a mixture of things, and then it crossed over into the pop world, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, bit of everything. Um, yeah. Anyway, they were you know they they were just um, kind of rebels, yeah. And they kind of saw that whole thing as an artwork, didn't they? Yeah, like, I mean, I think they, I think they were trying to be Christ. sort of performative artists yeah. as well, and. You know, it all backfired a bit. You know, and a few years later, they burnt a million quid. I mean, you know, they were just idiots, and I think they're all kind of penniless now. You know, yeah. But so they, but they, you won the worst artist years. You'd won the Turner Prize, and then yeah. they. Decided... I, it was, you know, what they thought would get the most notoriety. You know, if and they was that given... upsetting for you? It wasn't really upsetting. I just thought they were idiots, yeah. and then I just, you know, and I, but I was just so knackered, and you know. Uh, and I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. I just didn't want to have to deal with it, you yeah, know. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so I had to deal with that as well. So so I'd had all of that, and then there was sensation. So it was a bit like, oh, not another thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. I just wanted to go and hide somewhere, yeah. you know. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you some quick-fire questions then. Okay. Well, I don't know if that needs to be that quick-fire, but what, do you have a dream building on your bucket list that you're like, I want to fill that? Because in my head, I'm like, you should do a pyramid. <laughs> like an Egyptian tomb or something. It's like, I can see that, but is there somewhere that you're like, I need to do that? 
Um, I would like to do another standalone building, but I'd like it to be pretty monumental, you know, bigger than a house, you know, like a block of flats or a tower block even. Yeah, a whole tower block. <laughs> you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to do something that was really monumental, yeah. I think one of the most touching works that I've seen is, is uh, Fire Exit, that work, The Staircase, and that was done in 2002, which was a year after 9-11. Mm. And it's, it's not 9-11, yeah. how it's the staircase yeah. at all, but th- there's some relation of that and seeing Fire Escape and then seeing this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. ...that is really hark back to that. And I find that incredibly poetic and yeah. moving. Yeah. And, and, yeah. yeah. Was that kind of part of the same... Yeah, I vibe? mean, I think maybe. I mean, I... I you know when 9/11 happened, and they were very quick to uh, to try and sort of get an artist on board to make a memorial. Yeah. And um and and I was asked very early on, and I said no, I didn't want to touch it because I just didn't feel. I said that it, it was far too catastrophic an event to even begin to digest. Yeah. So as you say, that was two years later. So maybe. It was partly that. But actually, I would say that the piece that I've made that's in now on Governor's Island, yes. which looks straight over to the site of, you know, there's the Statue of Liberty and then there's the site of 9-11, um, you know, looking onto the sort of nose of Manhattan. And, um, yeah, that was very much in my mind when I made that. Mm. And you'd had longer to process yes. it and yeah, actually yeah. think yeah, about yeah. what your response yeah. is rather yeah. than it being a rushed thing. Yeah. yeah. I guess in some ways you would think... It should go to an American artist. Do you know what I mean? If they're looking for like... Yeah, I mean, I think they were looking... I mean, I think in the end... I, I'm not quite sure what happened there. And yeah, I haven't been there, actually. Don't I, they I mean, I... Oh, no, 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 they, they, got they, the, they built got, the building, you're right. Yes, yeah. One World Trade, but you've got the museum there and yeah. you've got that uh, kind of armadillo. Was it, Lee, was it Liebeskin that did something? Or? I I, I you've got can't... a big fountain there with all the names and it's, it's really it's moving. The museum's yeah. incredible. Yeah, I, I will go back. Because I, I actually, I mean, I know, I've known that that's been there for a long time, but I've never even gone there, you know. know. And it's just partly because I, I just don't want that I don't want to feel it. You know, I'm very, um, I'm like a sponge, you know, I kind of pick up these things. And, um, you know, like when I when I lived in Berlin and spent a lot of time going to the um, uh, sort of Jewish Memorial. memorials and uh, not the Jewish memorials, but the Holocaust museums yeah. and um, sites and stuff. And it was just terrific. But I went because I... You know, I just felt well, you can't really live in a place like Berlin relatively soon after the war, actually, and not really just try and think about this stuff. Mm. So I did a lot of research and sort of looked at a lot of that kind of thing. And then when I came back, was asked to do, you know, put in proposal for the Holocaust Memorial in in um, Vienna, which I then did. And Which is, yeah. again, incredibly moving because it's all books that are turned in, inwards. You can't read the spines and it's like lost names. And it's this kind of, it looks like a tomb, but it's like a library. There's two doors and you can't get in. And it's incredibly moving and people mm. lay flowers there. And what, is that one of your proudest? Yeah, I mean, I know, you know, I know that it's been incredibly affecting and that people have really responded well to it, but it was a nightmare making it. This is in Vienna, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the political situation was horrific and uh, people just didn't really want it, you know, and um, 
But I, you know, stood my ground, you know, as I said, I'm stubborn, stood my ground, refused to move it anywhere else because they were saying we want it to go on to a place called Heidenplatz, which is Hero's Place, which is would be like having it, you know, down the mall or something like that, you know, a very different mm. place. And I said, no, this is meant to be in this intimate square and if you don't want it there, then you've got to run the competition again. And, yeah, I stuck with my guns and... We did it. I remember seeing it a few years ago with Carl, and I didn't know it was there. And we, we were trying to find a restaurant, and there was a restaurant in that square, and we'd done it on Google Maps or whatever. And we were visiting Elke Christofek, who's an Austrian artist. Yes, and we, yeah. Her studio was just around the corner. And we, we walked through, and I remember the shock I had when I saw it, because I wasn't expecting it. It mm. wasn't like I'd gone... You yeah, know yeah, 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 yeah. And it was so powerful as an experience to see it but also watching how people were interacting with it because the majority of people because it's so intimate and you come off these little streets mm. it's such a big presence that you can't not mm. have some kind of interaction mm. with it and the main thing for me was the dignity of it it's yes. got this really like inherent soulful kind of dignity right. like yeah. yeah and it's is that something that's important to you because I've, I've heard you speak a bit about the yeah idea. I mean there is this sort of something about this of quiet dignity of places and spaces and you know um you know I love churches I love caves I love quarries I love you know I love places that are a kind of encapsulate you in some way and I think um that that's that sort of what I was trying to do there was almost use the um you know the the surrounds as a kind of amphitheater or mm. as a as a as a, a space or a place where you could put something down and it was going to then be given a slightly different view, you know, that you would be viewing it rather than just, as you say, thinking it was just a building or something. It would, it would have a presence. It would sort of make its own space. There's um, also like a mystery behind it because you can't access it. There's no doorknobs and there's yeah. just the whole. Well, you can and... actually. You can go because there's the, the, this museum um, to the left of it if you're sort of coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a Jewish museum and you can go underneath and you can go. And we designed a whole thing underneath it, which no one really knows about. But I didn't know. Tunnels, sort of, secret tunnels. Yeah, there's a sort oh, of wow. clay, clay floor and, um, and the, the place where the Torah was read. And, you know, the, the few parts of the original synagogue that were kept are, are there. That's great. So if you go again, go in. Yeah, we need to go in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never seen that. I'd love to do it. Is there anything you wouldn't cast? Anything off limits you're like, fuck that, I'm not going near that? Uh, I don't know. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't know. Like, I would never do the underside of that sort of store. I'd never like... People have always said to me, oh, I wish you'd cast a car or a telephone box. Well, you or did a... do a toy car, the Lesney... Ma- oh, yeah. Which yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, it made yeah, that into yeah, an addition. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, yeah. But, um, no, there was... Um, no, I wouldn't do things like that, you know, phone boxes or, you know, it's just that's... It feels a bit gimmicky, does it? Yeah, if it, yeah it's exactly. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's something that would be a bit out of place in my world. What is a mistake in your art? What is a mistake? What you would class as a mistake. What have I done that's a mistake? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or what would you, or not, not saying you've made a mistake in your yeah. career, but like what, what to you, when you're making the work and it comes out, you're like, that's a mistake. That's oh, uh, if something, if the mould breaks when you're making something, then you get a big splurgy lump in it. That's always a mistake. Oh, no. Um, but that hasn't happened. But that must be frustrating. Me, like, like saying the eight attempts for the fourth yeah. tenth, Every single, you must be like, every time, like this is so much work yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, those things are, f are frustrating, but I wouldn't really say they're mistakes. They're just part of the process and yeah. you have to get on with it, you know. Um, no, I mean, I think early on, or maybe I tried out certain materials and they just didn't work or, but not that I'm more conservative now, but I'm more practiced, I suppose, and I sort of know what I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe sometimes you sort of go down an avenue and sort of think, or... I remember, actually, one of the things that I cast, and I made one piece which I really liked, and then I tried making some others and they really didn't work, and that was using a sink and working with the underside of a sink. Mm. And there was something about it that I made one and it was sort of like a font, and then I tried something else and it looked like a toilet, and then I just thought, yeah. actually, you know... This is not a place I want to go, you know. But I do, you know, I made three or four bars, tubs and things like Love that. Those. So so those things are all, um, you know, normally I try something out and and if I like the way it's worked, I'll continue doing it, you know, and just continue. Do you have a hierarchy of materials? Do you put like, <laughs> cement above plaster, <laughs> resin below concrete? Is well, there like... I well, yeah, well, yeah. They, yeah, I mean, I use pretty low-grade things. So I, like, I still love plaster. I just love what it does. I love the fact it's powder and you put it with water and it becomes a, you know, like a stone. You know, I think it's a great thing. And it's sort of alchemy because it warms up and, you know. Yeah, the heat, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, bronze I like when it, you know, I like the fact that it's a metal and you heat it up and you cast it and then it comes out as this sort of hard thing. You know, I like the process. I like when things change, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't think I've got... No, I've got a nut table, but I don't have a... A nut table? A nut table, yeah. Well, I, I know which kind of nuts that I like. You're very bored Oh, yeah, let's have your nut table, then. <laughs> <laughs> let's have your top five nuts, Dame Rachel. Uh, almonds, stop. Number one. Number yeah, one. lovely. Almonds, yeah. Okay, we healthy. approve. We, we love almonds. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, they're good. Good afternoon. Talk out approved. Big walk or something. Uh, yep. Walnuts. Oh, I can't have walnuts. He's allergic. Oh, right. Oh. Yeah, they wouldn't be on my nut table. Oh, anywhere. No, okay. anywhere. Uh, hazelnuts, good fresh hazelnuts. Oh yeah. But when they're not, I don't, you know. A bit kind of squidgy, yeah. Yeah, cashews, pine nuts. Heaven. Yeah. I, I love yeah. a macadamia. Put, a macadamia. Oh, yeah. That's a treat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could go on forever, couldn't we? We could. What's your nut top? <laughs> Almonds, I think. Yeah, yeah. I love almonds. You do. Yeah, and macadamia nuts. We spent a lot of time in yes, yeah, in Hawaii when I was a kid. Oh my god! Yeah, and they had um, macadamia nuts that had the name of our childhood house, Mauna Loa. Oh wow! Which is a volcano. Gosh, there we go. So there we go. May I imagine nut aficionado? What about cheese? Top cheese. Mine's halloumi. Oh. What did the cheese say when it looked in the mirror? Halloumi. What animal? What cheese can you use to get an animal out of a cave? Camembert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, can we just talk about editions <laughs> and yeah. multiples? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think this is a really good thing for you to have, to, to have a conversation about because you're absolutely uh, working together on a new edition. But oh. also, you and I were obsessed with Herringbone Floor. Absolutely. Before oh, yeah. I even knew Carl. Yeah. It was the, one of the things we both sort of wanted. Um, and that's such an amazing edition. Amazing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the editions that you, you work on together and what that well, process Well, we like. worked on a few. I think Herringbone Floor was the first one. Then there was um, uh, the Olympic poster. Oh, yeah. And then the there was, yeah. yeah. And then there was... Um, the sculpture of the room? The oh, yeah. That was the first 
one or maybe the second one. Yeah, second we made it was the first sort of 3D castings that Carl and I went on our sort of research trip to a um, a, a fair for um, sort of military fair to because they were doing that was what they were using 3D casting for was for sort of making sort of bombs and also um, making all the sort of plastic that goes in your body once you've been blown up. Wow. So that's what we looked at first. And back then, 3D printing was like really... Oh, yeah, it was really... Yeah, it's quite it was, a special... Yeah, like sort of stone age, yeah. yeah. Whereas now it's obviously high Do you use a 3D printer yourself? No. 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 I'm not that interested in it, actually. As a, as a, but it was fun making the yeah, course, yeah. thing in the, you know, back then. Um, and then we also made another... Um, ring mark. Ring mark, yeah. yeah. Then we made a, a postcard... Yes, we did a hole-punched postcard. Okay. Hole-punched postcard. Yeah. And now we're doing another print for a, a portfolio. Yeah, um, for We had the other bronze. It was like the, the baked bean. Oh, yeah, the bronze. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, there's loads. We've yeah. loads. <laughs> do, you like, do you like doing that? Do you like the, them works being able to get out in the world? Yeah, I do, actually. I, you know, it's a way in which they can get out in the world and people have them. And, you know, people buy them and they love them, actually. And it's a sort of... It's a great way. And, you know, I like to make things which... You know, and actually when Carl first started out, you know, I'd known him for years and, um, you know, it was a great way of helping a new sort of venture get off the ground and, you know, and he's done very well on it now with his new workshop in Margate. And Yeah, and you came down to see us to sign the print recently. What's the new print, At Rob? the Counter Edition studio. Um, the new print is called 50 Spaces and um, it's a screen print and a lithograph, so it's got both uh, print techniques in it. And it is the drawing of 50 different uh, spaces underneath chairs. So it's a bit like 100 spaces, which was a sculpture that I made that was, that was shown in the, in the tape. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, in sensation and the tape. And um, uh, so it's, a, it's an image of that. So quite a large sort of A1 size. What, um, with 50 different? Yeah, 50 oh, wow. Little, yeah, 50 little pieces. And the amazing thing is, because it's from an original work, because in, in that work you would have had the kind of spillover from the different materials yeah. um, Rachel was using. Yeah. Um, we've managed to like recreate that through the screen printing process. So there's and no sorry through the lithographic process. So there's like different different print techniques in order to create what would have happened in a unique work. It's really special. Wow. So it's like graph paper. Then there's uh, then there's a pencil drawing, and then there's gouache fill in, and then maybe a little more pencil over the top. And yeah, they've just done it beautifully. They've done a great job actually. And actually, I think the prints you've made with Carl are really precise. And, yeah. and they're very, like, thought about. And yeah. they've been never rushed. And they've always had this kind of... Work of art in their own. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And they, they do have a kind of real presence to them. They're, they're yeah, special good. things. Yeah. So I love them. So should we go through? Yes, yes let's go and have a look. Yeah. So yeah. your new work yes. that you've been working on recently. So you've got a show opening at Kogosian very soon, which is what we'll be sh listing on our Instagram. But... What have you been making? Is it much more like smaller works? No. Ah. It's a bit we can go and have a look. I don't can know. We? Yeah, I don't know how. Can we, can yeah, yeah, definitely, can we bring yeah. these with us? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So should we go through? Yes, yeah, let's go and have a look. Yeah. So we are now in your studio. Yeah, in my studio. Yeah, you can probably hear that by the <laughs> acoustics. Yes. So these are the two new <gasps> large works. Oh, my So can God. you describe what we're looking at here, Rachel? So... Uh, this first one we're looking at is called Poltergeist, and it is a the sort of bones of a shed um, made in uh, lots of wood and rusted corrugated iron and 
bits of vegetation and bits of metal and grids and all sorts of other things, and which has then been put together in a very sort of haphazard but thoughtful kind of way. And like a and, poltergeist has thrown it yes, all together, yeah. right? <laughs> and it's been then hand-painted. Um, it's got like 15 layers of household paint on it something like that. So it's just been a process of, uh, I started this sort of pre-pandemic and the show was supposed to have been last year. Right. Um, so then it, so we continued with the process. So if we kind of walk around it. So this how is, big is this? Yeah. It's like 10, 10 foot high or something? Uh, it's, uh, no, it's probably, it's probably about nine foot high wow, by, you know, so six cool. foot by 10 foot, something like that. Amazing. And how long would this have taken you to make? This has taken about a year to make. And how will you get this out of the studio? Uh, it all breaks down. Into, Does it? Yeah, it's very cleverly made. Do you do you have to think about that when you're making your work yeah. as well now? How are you going to take it yeah. apart and reassemble it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, that, I've sort of always had to do that because of, you know, they're not easy things to sort of throw around. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite a um, process. I love so, all the twigs on the side. It's so beautiful. So this is all... Um, so the, the floor, for example, you know, that was you know, really kind of rotten wood, which um, has then was covered in resin and then covered in paint and resin. And, you know, to sort of consolidate... Where did you find this shed originally? So a lot of it comes from um, Norfolk. Yeah. There was a couple of sheds that we broke down in Norfolk um, that a friend had seen and we got permission to take. Wow. Um, and... You know, and then the vegetation stuff I've collected, you know, over a period of time, digging things out of skips, seeing things in people's front gardens. Love a skip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All the lath work on the inside, that comes from all the houses around here. There was a housing association where they were pulling it all out and I grabbed all the bags of it. You know, so it's really a magpie process, magpie way of making the work. And when you come across something like this, is it sort of a eureka moment in, in like, the I mean, this, this really was, this, this was, I mean, I would say with this piece especially, um, I had spent oh, all yeah. that time, you know, I've travelled all over the world, you know, I've been very lucky and, you know, often when I go to places, I'll go and, you know, not go to the sparkly centre of somewhere, I'll go to the outskirts and have a look what's happening around the edges of a place. And, you know, often come across people living in poverty and uh, places that have maybe struck by some kind of um, event, you know, or whatever. And so it's a culmination of all of that and looking at all of that and thinking about all the buildings that I've seen and how you can go across the, you know, go for a walk in the woods and you'll come across a building that's been sort of taken over by nature. Mm. Um, and it's a culmination of all of that and just trying to sort of bring that, the essence of those kind of experiences together. Do you have a favourite type of architecture that you're drawn to? No, I'm, I'm very open to, open to architecture. It. Yeah, I'm very interested in all, you know, modern and... Modern I like to complain about a lot. You know, oh, yeah? I, you know, I like to kind of go, oh, God, I wouldn't have done it like that, or, you know. <laughs> Do you like brutalism? Cause the, the oh, yes, I love yeah. brutalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm... Yeah, I mean, for various periods of architecture that I really don't like, but... Um, like, what don't you like, then? Um, the sort of postmodern stuff that happened 
you know, at the turn of the century was, you know, that was all kind of decorative and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, what's that Egyptian one, the faux Egyptian sort of, right. that really not that period. <laughs> so, you know, there are various things that have happened in the past sort of 50 years that yeah. I'm not too keen on, but, you know, I generally, I know I'm, I'm just, you know, I love the way in which people look at the world and make places for us to live and work and yeah. sleep and play in, you know, it's sort of... It definitely feels like you celebrate the domestic or you celebrate the ordinary. Yeah. And and you're saying you go to places where there's like low-income families per se mm. because it feels like it's more of an authentic, true human experience yeah. that you're recording, yeah, 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 you're, yeah, you're yeah, capturing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the way you describe something as being you were mummifying the air. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain what that... Well, that's I, I said that when I made Ghost and that's what I was sort of thinking about was was sort of trying to capture the breath of something. So, yeah, as you said before, you know, I, I often try and um, personify a, a place or a space. And, um, yeah, it's sort of giving things personalities and mm. physiognomy, I suppose. Mm, and, yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I really love the works behind you here. Oh, which these, are these, these, are my, these are my lockdown sculptures. Are they? Yeah, I made a... I made a group of pieces using loo rolls. I was going to say, because these are often from loo rolls, but I also read, like, oh, um, polystyrene, funny. kind yeah. of, can, um, you know, the inside, the, the cardboard. That's um, so date sitcher now. That's yeah, more, like last yeah. year, especially oh, yeah. when we had the shortage. Yeah. And no, you've I, coloured them all brightly, like, fluorescent fluoro paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to just, you know, just cheer myself up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Did it? Yeah, it was. When you realised you was running that ball in toilet rolls. <laughs> But this is a series you've made before, because you had one in the in the retrospective at Tate. Yeah, I made I made a group of I was making a lot of work with little boxes um, at the sort of beginning of the century. (laughs) 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 It doesn't date me too much, Um, and so it sort of comes from that. So it's always about playing with things, you know. So I've, you know, I as as I say, I make, you know, play with all these different words and come up with different things. What's this one called? Uh, they don't have titles, they're just sort of... Or they might be untitled blue and yellow or blue and green or, you know, it's just to try just to identify it a bit right, when right. you... If you don't start with untitled one, you know, and carry on to however many you've made, yeah, yeah. Um, then you just have to somehow give things names. I mean, I, but I do occasionally have proper names for things like What's this is Poltergeist. And then you've got Ghost. Are you, are you yeah. spiritual? Is there yeah. some sort well, of element? Well, you know, there's something there, isn't there? But it's not... Um, no, I'm not spiritual as such. I'm not religious. Right. Maybe I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Yeah, so this is called Ghost and this is called Doppelganger. Doppelganger, cool. So and is there another one? No, not yet. <laughs> But will there be? <laughs> there that, might be. There yeah, might wow. be. Yeah, there might be. Watch your big old stick there. Watch wow. your head on that stick. It's is just this amazing. One the energy in that feels like it's been even more kind of like, like a hurricane, hurricane yeah. Yeah, been a tornado or something. Yeah. Oh, I watched Tornado the other day. It was on TV. Oh, really? I turned it on by accident, and it was like, wow, great special effects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you, do you get inspired by, yeah. by films? Because I read before you reference a film that inspired your work. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it was called Twister. Yeah, Twister, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought, what's a tornado? Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, no, Twister. Twister, yeah. When they end up inside the Twister. That's right, you've got the cow. There's a cow, there's a cow, yeah. But this feels like also Wizard of Oz, like Kansas. Well, it was, yeah, I was really sort of thinking of all of those things, but also thinking about tsunamis and, yeah. you know, you know, 
things that happen and floods and famines and, you know. Oh God, yeah, because you can look at it in two ways because we're talking about, you know, Twister and that and it gives it a sort of filmic kind of comedic element but then when you soon just mention the word tsunami then suddenly go oh god this yeah. is the remains yeah. of a, an event that's been catastrophic yeah. to yeah. communities yeah. yeah i mean let's have a little walk around it watch your head yeah rob was asking then to movies then are they a big influence on yeah they do i mean i watch a lot of movies and um yeah uh yeah i suppose yeah i mean not directly i don't mm. sort of but occasionally sort of an image or something will come from a movie and, and i'll think oh, you know it'll sort of yeah. Have you ever been tempted to cast people? Like, I know you did one work years back, or a series called Torso, which was the kind of the only time you've ever referenced the figure, which were like these, uh, the inside of a hot water bottle, which was pink and gave us yeah. a sort of fleshy, like, yeah. figure of a baby, yeah. per se. But have you ever been tempted, or do you feel like that's Anthony Gormley's world and leave no, him to not, do it? Well? It's not my world. Not, not your world not at my all? World, no. No, I cast. So that's something that when I asked you. I always what cast actually. Cast? Well, when, when my, uh, whenever I have a close friend who has a baby, and it'll probably be friends who have grandchildren soon. But um, uh, I always cast their little hands or feet, and it's something. Oh that yes, I, I just saw you did it for Sue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for Sue Your Webster, website. yeah. yeah. Oh. So we, had, I meant but to ask spider. you about that. Yeah. Right. So how? What is that? So you, it's like a kind of memory, a keepsake from their childhood. It's so. Sweet. Yeah. 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 I've got them with my kids of their feet and hands and so on. I just thought it was just a nice thing to do for friends. You know, it's a little momentum. Yeah. Little bubbies. Oh, oh, that's magic. <laughs> I've always liked the titles of your works, by the way. I meant to say that earlier because I find them quite open because I feel like yeah. there's lots of ways of reading them. Mm. They're, they're kind well, of like... That's when they work well, I think. You know, I, that's why I don't, you know, I was saying that those Lou Roll ones, I was sort of, wasn't really titling them. But, I, you know, when I do, you know, I, I work hard on my titles when I do them, you know, and yeah. What about the colour palette? But how how easy was that for you? Because there's such a kind of consistency in your work, if, even through the drawings. Like, you see a drawing, you know it's a Rachel Whiteridge drawing, even though it's not a sculpture, because of the colours, yeah. I think. There's some um, sort of... I don't know, really. I think it's just my aesthetic. You know, it's just what I like to use. Yeah. They're quite muted, aren't they? Like when I was a kid, I remember, you know, I'd always had a white bedroom or whatever, and then, you know, when aged 11 or something, he said, you know, I'll give you some money and you can paint your own bedroom. And it's like, wow. And I remember painting, this was in the 70s, and it was orange and lilac. And actually, I've realised that I've been using these colours all the time in these sculptures. And I thought, mm. you know, it's such a weird colour combination. <laughs> Especially for a, a kid. How long was you in this room? Did you wake up I with headaches? Think, yeah, I think I just thought... I, I did. It wasn't long actually because I remember them painting it dark blue and white, which was a bit more bearable. But um, yeah. <laughs> wow, amazing. Well, we ask every guest that comes on two the same questions, and the first one is: if you could do an art heist, do you collect art? I do a little bit. Yeah, it's a small degree. What sculpture or? Uh, no, more um, sort of paintings and prints and things. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I, you know. I, I haven't got enough room to... I've got so much crap of my own, you know. Yeah. And actually, you know, I think, you know, I love the fact that people make work and I love the fact that people collect work. But I think to be an artist, it's quite hard to collect things, you know, because you do... You end up interfering with your own practice or something. I don't know. 
But there are certain people that I... Christopher Wool, I've got quite a few things. Of Have his, you? Which he's, a big, he's a good friend of mine. But he's, oh, oh, wow. And Kiki Smith and, you know, sort of people like that. But I've got a Bridget Riley as well. And, but, yeah, I mean, there are things... Do you have Rebecca things. Warren? Did we talk about Oh, that? I've got one of your Rebecca Yeah, Warren's. one of the bronze yeah. editions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you live with your own work? Not really, actually. I've got, I live mainly with sort of fossils and some pottery <gasps> and, yeah, things like that. Have you ever cast a fossil? No. No. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but that's almost like the fossil is the, the kind of... The fossil yeah. is the, yeah. nature's, nature's past. It's nature's yeah, white yeah. read in a so way. So if you could do an art heist and you could yeah. have any work of art in the world, from anywhere in the world, what would it be and why? It would either be uh, Piero della Francesca or Vermeer. Wow. To so base basic pieces. <laughs> yeah, it would be one of those two, or preferably both, one of each. Maybe a Van Gogh as well, actually, an early Van Gogh. Are there any particular works in particular that you like by them? Um, oh, I'd, I'd have any of them. Really, yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, I quite like The Raft of the Medusa as well. <laughs> That'd look pretty good, wouldn't it, in yeah. the living room? Absolutely. We can definitely yeah. do that for you. That's a, yeah. that's a bit more strenuous, though. Maybe I think Vermeer would be a bit quieter. Can you remember the first time you saw one of these artists' works in the flesh? Yes. Uh, yeah, I can. Okay, definitely, uh, and I still go and see, well, when we could go out and see things, but there's uh, one as Vermeer at the um, uh, Kenwood House, which is near to where I live now, and I go and see that probably once a week. Mm. It's, it's so beautiful. And um, and then, well, the National Gallery, I always used to go and see the Pier of Della Francesca's there, which was, and I have done for decades, you know. And both these spaces are free, right? So you can yeah, go in and yeah, go in, in yeah. lunch break, pop in and out. Yeah. yeah. I've heard you reference um, Della Fresca. De, Francesca. Yes, uh, a few times in reference to your own work. Like it's kind of in... Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, and it's, it's really to do with proportion and um, there's, a, there's a real sort of clarity and beauty to the way in which he's... Um, you know, it was you know, perspective wasn't really around, you know, so it's all very kind of clunky, but it is just this way of looking at things which is beautifully pared down and poetic and, you know, not crowded and there's a real poetry to the work. Mm. The other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? Oh. <laughs> oh. Hmm. My favourite sort of work colour and wear colour is blue. Mm-hmm. And my, I think my favourite colour, but it's not really colour, is white. Mm. Like the plaster. And I think white because it can reflect so many other colours. That's a bit of a cheat, isn't it? And there's so many shades of white as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not magnolia, though. You don't like magnolia. Yeah. And actually, your studio is like totally white in white, a way, even yeah. the white light. You've got amazing um, light, uh, skylights. skylights. Skylights, beautiful. Yeah. Is that really important to you? Yeah, I love, uh, yeah, I love, I love to work with daylight, if possible, just daylight, yeah. And Let me just show you Anthony Caro's studio. This was Anthony Caro's studio, yeah. yeah. Let me just show you quickly these bronzes through here. So, sorry, when are these works going to be seen, these two sculptures? Um, well, the show is going to be opening when you're allowed to open things on the 12th of April. What's it like to be working with like a really giant gallery like Gagosian? This is this is the room that we call the fridge. Oh, it's really cold. Yeah. Oh wow. But these are the bronzes. Yes. Oh my god. So these are from the the, 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 the bottom of a cardboard box? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> and they're painted to look like they're cardboard again, right? Well kind kind of, yeah. yeah. It's a bit you know, a bit bluey and pinky and 
Oh, these are beautiful. Are these all, are these are these grids? Are they one work? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And these are all going to be in the show. And these are yeah. So can you talk a bit about the papier-mâché works? How did they develop? Because I heard that you used to like pulp up like exhibition invitations and kind yeah, of... Yeah, well, a lot of it's... I mean, some of it's my kids' homework. Some of it's, really? um, you know... Um, Before they've handed it in or...? Yeah. <laughs> not good enough. <laughs> no, it's stuff that's, you know, from the older son. Uh, you know, and some of it is, uh, you know, just stuff from moving or old book proofs and things like that. And, yeah, I just spent a lot of time shredding things. And then I use it as a material by making it into pulp and then casting off um, bits of furniture and things, actually, and then painting. I always love the colours that come out of it. There's these amazing kind of specks of colour. That... Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if you look, it's a bit here. I'm just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's all different. It's very autobiographical. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, my work is, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a bit like Tracy, really, except I'm, I don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and you both have beds, because you have the concave yeah. and convex <laughs> beds. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I actually true. thought that the yeah. other day. There is yeah. a wonderful theme in art of the bed. The bed, yeah. Yeah. Um, so can you talk a bit about these works here? They're yeah, so incredible. these these are um, so these drawings, these four in the middle, they're they're quite old. You know, they're probably about four or five years old. Okay. Um, and they're just thinking about fences, and you know, and then these. I think I made these sort of um, just before the sort of pandemic time, um, but you know, just using a very simple process of just printing something. Um, but then, you know, getting really sort of manic about it or just, you know, and just enjoying the process of doing a very simple act of pressing one thing onto paper and, and getting these different sort of textures. So and, what is it, paint on paper then? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, so it's ink, ink and then gouache on top of that. Wow. Wonderful. I love. Yeah, well, there's a saying that's like, you can make a self-portrait of someone by the objects that they surround themselves with. Oh, God, I'd have a pretty strange self-portrait. <laughs> Covered in barnacles. And, uh... Well, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much, Dame yeah, Rachel Reed. Oh, so my much. absolute pleasure. It's yes. been such a great adventure. I can't believe we're in your studio. It's so cool. <laughs> I love it in here. And all these... You've got so many pieces of wood and stuff, like, all sort of... Beach it's almost like foraging wood. Yeah, so there's lots of... Driftwood. Yeah, and exactly. And there's a... Um, that's a bit of old boat over there. Very old boat, actually. It's a, it's got these amazing hand-cut um, copper nails in it. And do you have to treat these if, for like mites or anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I treat them all and then paint them. Yeah. You're lighting up when you talk about that. I love it. You said the copper nail. <laughs> See, like the, <laughs> love the materiality. Yeah. Of it, yeah. it brings you such joy. It's, <laughs> it does. It's infectious. Yeah. I love it. Oh. <laughs> Good stuff. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. So for everyone listening, you can visit our Instagram and find images of all the artworks and projects that we've spoken about today. And Rachel's show is opening very soon at Gagosian in London. So um, we will hopefully all be able to go and see it because it looks like the lockdown... Um, it's easing. Is easing. So, yes. yeah, it's going to be a Gen joy Gen for Gen everyone to experience these great new works. So Poltergeist and... Um, Doppelganger. Doppelganger. Doppelganger will both be in that show. They will indeed. Awesome. So you can see these incredible new works. And we'll be back very soon. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.
<laughs> You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.